Hey everybody, Justin Michael Williams here with Motivation for Black People, interviewing young black creators and leaders who are making history today. And today, I have a very special friend with me here named Yolo Akili Robinson. Now, listen up. If you guys don't know about Yolo, you need to just Google him right quick because Yolo has been published on Ebony, has been published on Huffington Post. He's also a published author with his incredible book, Dear Universe, that's actually sitting right next to me right now. He's a yoga teacher, but more specifically for this interview, we're going to talk about Yolo's role as the founder and executive director of a nonprofit organization called BEAM, which stands for the Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective. Now, Yolo's work in Beam is really important and special to me. Um, And one of the reasons I'm super excited to interview him today is because it's really about the healing of Black people and the emotional and mental health of our people and how that actually affects every single thing that we're doing out in the world. Those of us who are wanting to create art, create change, be activists, movement, even if if you're just working in business or law in your office, everything that's going on internally is really affecting how we live externally. Mm -hmm. And this has been a huge part of my own journey as a young black man, getting comfortable with healing and alternative levels of healing. And so bringing someone like Yolo here, who's such an expert in this topic and has created such an incredible platform is a real honor. So thank you for being here, Yolo. Thank you for having me. So I think we just want to dive right in to all of this, you know, right away. So what you do is very specific, right? You've created something that, from my understanding, doesn't exist in the world. Like there is no organization around that does exactly what you do. Is this true? To my knowledge. <laughs> right. To my knowledge. I did some research too. I don't I don't the way we do it. Right. The way you do it. And I don't I don't think it exists. And so what in your life made you decide that you wanted to focus your energy so specifically on the healing and mental and emotional health for our people? That's a big question. Yep. Um, you know, if if I take it to a personal level, you know, I think it and then I look back on my life, um, you know, I have always been um, that kind of sensitive young boy. You know, when I was a child, I was that sensitive child who was, you know, feminine, but also intuitive. I um, also saw and felt a lot of different things. And, um, of course, being a black man, um, I experienced a lot of violence because of that, you know. And in addition to that violence, I also, you know, grew up in a community of beautiful people who also had experienced a lot of trauma and sometimes enacted a lot of violence, sometimes were victims of violence. And when I look back on my life, I see how a lot of the suffering that was happening around me as well as within me really led me very early on to try to craft or create spaces, whether it was through art or through poetry to really kind of demonstrate or create um, pathways that can show us a different way to be in the world, you know, and to alleviate suffering and harm. I think I spent most of my, even when I look back on myself as a little person, um, breaking up fights and disagreements or trying to please people with the hopes that my pleasing them would actually make them less harmful to other people in my life, right? And so that's been a big part of who I am. I think as an adult, um, I've grown that and began to like realize that what we need in our communities, particularly in black communities, is more skills and more tools to understand how to be in the world differently than how we've been taught. 
is how we've been taught to be in the world is often centered on these these ways of being that are so harmful, so destructive to each other, but it's all we've ever known, right? And so one of the reasons that it's so important to me for black people, and I love that like in this moment, there's this, this just kind of like surge of black folks who are doing amazing work around healing is because I, I think that for so long we haven't had the opportunity to stop and pause and do that work. And I think we're like living the consequences of it or have time to even see it now. And so um, we have a lot of work to do and we have, we've, we've ignored a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say that like, it comes out of my own experiences, my own um, personal experiences, who I am um, that has led me to really feel the importance of this work. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, what one of the things you just said is there's this kind of uprising of Black people all around starting to recognize that healing is important, mm-hmm. right? And their mental health is important. And I think for so many of us, even me, like growing up, that wasn't something that you did. Like you didn't talk about it with anybody, right. you know? Well, I think that we didn't really, like for a lot of us as black people, we've been in survival mode and we're still in survival mode, right? And so the idea, like I think about my father and my grandmother generation when it was just like really kind of focused on eating, roof over your head, clothes on your back, right? Those were the things that were the primary focus like of our families. And so um, to even attend to this idea of my emotional or spiritual well-being, you know what I mean? For some people, was just not something they had the time for, particularly things that were considered like, you know, in your head. Like, you know, just right. like you push through, you persevere. And so much of that comes out of what we were taught as like, you know, descendants of slaves to push through, to kind of just work through it, to keep moving. And that's what black folks have been doing in this country for so long through police brutality, through assault, through all these pieces pushing through. And, you know, now we're reaching this moment. And granted, there have always been people who have been trying to bring us to focus on healing. That's not new. But we are reaching this moment where in the public consciousness, the then the we were starting to value the the fact that um healing is necessary and needed and that there actually can be different ways to be in the world when we do our healing. Mm. That like we actually can love each other more, love ourselves more, be in our bodies, experience our bodies in love and intimacy in the world differently when we begin to like address the scars and the wounds, attend to the mental or emotional health challenges. Right. You know? So is this like the reason I think the question that I wanted to ask here is, as people are starting to uprise into this, and I think one of the things that I see even amongst a lot of my friends are people back at home, you know, Mm -hmm. who aren't as, you know, we're here in Los Angeles, so it's like everything's going on, Mm -hmm. you know, in these cities. But the people who are in their hometowns who are starting to wake up to the idea of it all, Mm -hmm. but they don't really know why it's important. Like, is this the reason why you think it's important is because it helps us wake up to other things in our lives? Or why is this, why should anybody even care about really spending time on their emotional and mental health? Healing is important for a variety of different reasons, I would say, right? So the first thing I think about why healing is so powerful and transformative is that when we, when we, as we move through life, you know, then we become scarred. Like, you know, by experiences, by partners, all these different pieces. And if we don't attend to those scars, those scars begin to impede our vision. They, 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 they impact how, we, well, how we're able to even navigate or see the world or experience the world. They almost begin to, like, cover us like a sore, a scab. Mm. And so the healing work is saying, I have this scar. Let me attend to this scar. Let me put solve on this scar. And, like, and then I, let me figure out what, what caused me to get this scar so I can learn differently, right? We have not always historically had the opportunities to do that around our emotional and mental health, around the ways in which we have experienced violence from the state, violence from each other. Like, that hasn't—we've been such in some 
survival mode for a lot of us that to take the time to process those scars and like realize that scar could be blocking my perceptions has not been a priority, right? Mm. And so the one piece is that in order for us to thrive, to move into thriving, we have to really be attentive to like how our wounds are impacting us and guiding us, right? We can't um, continue to do things that have been passed down from generation to generation, from my father to my mother, just because it was done that way. Some of those things are really harmful and, and come out of a different context, but were really harmful. How do we interrupt the patterns and break the cycles? So they're like, what I give to you and, and to my colleagues and to my children is less harm than what I was, in, what I inherited mm. from the people who loved me but didn't know what else to do with that. Right. right. So I think that's one of the reasons that healing is so important. Another reason that is healing is really important, when I think about freedom, when I think about the, the, the creation of equity, the possibility of transformation and freedom, um, to do that work is painstaking, right? I mean, like, we think about the civil rights struggle. We think about the work of the BLM activists. We think about movements even prior to that. Consistently doing this work takes a toll on your heart, your soul, your spirit. You know, we lose sometimes. Police, police officers don't get indicted or held accountable. We um, lose people we care about. You know, we get hurt in the process. And all that begins to weigh us down if we don't take the time to process it, to grieve it, to like let it, to let it be, pre- be present with it. And if we don't do, if we don't take that time, then our movements get weighed down. Justice gets weighed down. Mm. You know, like freedom gets weighed down because we can't be with each other because we're so scarred, because we're so weighed down. And that's why the healing and the spiritual rituals have to be incorporated into it. Because the, cause the battle for justice is never, it's ongoing. We're going we're gonna to be doing this long after right. me and you were here. It will continue. But integrating healing and healing justice and mental health and emotional health and analysis and understanding and skills about it can help us be more not only more forthright, but more powerful and more transformative in the work that we're doing. Yeah, I mean, so this is so important. And I think, I mean, I've been doing this work. I know you've been doing this work. And I know even just me listening to you talk about this right now reminds me even on a deeper level of how important it is. And I'm sure everybody listening is thinking the same thing, right? Like, okay, I need to do this work. And one of the things that I hear from even tons of my friends in LA, and I know even my sister was just asking me the other day, I don't know how to find a therapist. Like, I don't know if one is good. I don't know this. I don't, like, where do I go? What books do I read? Like, no one, a, a lot of people don't know what to do. Yeah. Right? And so one of the things that I'm really hoping from you is that we can give some tips to the people who are listening right now so they can start that journey on their own, whether or not they can afford therapy or this or that, because we all know that that's a luxury, right, in some places. Mm-hmm. So for everybody listening right now, let's give them three tips that they can use for their own healing like right away yeah first thing i think about is listen to your center listen to your spirit what is it telling you and what that and when i say listen to your center your spirit some people call that your gut some people tell call that like you know like um people call the center spirit those different things start by listening and when i say you start by listening it's not saying that like it's going to tell you the absolute absolute truth it's about saying what do you feel when you pay attention to your feelings and your center do you feel anxious there's something to learn about the anxious. There's something that anxiousness is trying to show you about the world around you and how you're engaging the world. Do you feel afraid? Do you feel joyful? Do you feel do you feel depressed? Do you feel sad? Whatever's happening, the, 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 the our emotional body and our center is just it's just sending us messages. It's like, hey, Justin, hey, hey, this is happening. 
the, the, your world around you is impacting you this way. It's showing up in your behavior this way. I want you to know that like I, I literally our body is our body and our heart and our spirit are literally always trying to get our attention. But we're stuck in our head, not paying, not, not, not often a different train of thought. Right. So I always always tell people to listen to your center and pay attention to what is trying to tell you. Pay attention to what your feelings are trying to communicate to you about what's happening in your world, how it's impacting you, how it's impacting others, and and, and help, help it help it um pay attention to how it can potentially guide you to something that can like um alleviate harm if harm is present, mm-hmm. hurt is present. Mm-hmm. And also pay attention how it can help teach you how to cultivate joy because joy is present, but how it can help you cultivate and enrich joy in your This life. is so beautiful and I think as you're talking about this it reminds me of two things um that I think we can illustrate this with. So I remember reading in um, one of Oprah's books, like her talking about your, your life is always trying to speak to you. Always. It's just up. Our job is to just make sure we get quiet enough to listen. Yes. Right. And so a straight up example that I think people might know is just even for me, you know about this, like I've been planning to go do a big performance right at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And so when I sat with it, I felt anxious. Mm-hmm. And so and tell me if I'm processing this correctly based on your example. So. I want to just go through this with people live mm-hmm, so they can mm-hmm. see how it works in their own self. So I'm getting ready to perform at South by Southwest. And when I got the offer, I sat down and what I felt was anxious. Mm-hmm. So the first step that you're saying when you're saying just listen to your center mm-hmm. is just that, to just notice that I'm anxious. Yeah. Right? And then like, and then begin to ask like, so what is that anxiety about for me? Right. Right. So that's the first piece. So first of all, just getting still enough to say like, what's going on? Then like, okay, so this feeling exists. And I always tell people that pay attention to your feelings. A feeling is one word, right? So a feeling is anxious, it's sad, it's frustrated. Get to that one word and say like, okay, now I see that. What is that connected to for me? What's going on in my life that could be creating this feeling, right? Mm. And beginning to unpack that and see, okay, I'm feeling anxious because um, it's a big opportunity. I'm feeling anxious because I have other projects that I'm trying to navigate as well, right? What uh, I, I might be feeling anxious because of something that has happened previous that I'm trying, like, being mindful of that I don't want to recreate, right? So, like, what is the feeling connected to? But always start with, like, getting to that one word feeling. And then just slowly begin to uh, to question what it's connected to. So once we get to that feeling like I feel anxious and listening to that, so that's how it, our life gives us guidance, right? right? Because we're trying to then understand right. why that feeling is coming into play. So yes. what is it outside of us that's bringing that feeling upon? Absolutely. Right? What, what is it outside of us that is awakening that feeling within mm. us? See, nobody really likes, so like people talk about, when I talk about feelings and emotional intelligence, I always tell people like, nobody really makes you feel anything. They awaken feelings that exist within you, mm. right? And so if you think about it from that approach, it's like so, uh, all this external stimuli is awakening things within me. What is that that has been awakened? And what is that linked to? What is that connected to? Mm. And begin to kind of ask those questions. And then you can get to the piece of like, you know, which kind of leads to the other pieces I would say about like, um, you know, the things that I would advise people to do. So this is the second so, tip. Second tip. Okay, go ahead. Is you start, to, you start to study the patterns. Okay. Right? So if I feel this feeling, and this feel, does this feeling feel familiar? Like, what is it connected to? Is it connected to a previous experience, a past experience? Then I get down to the, to get down to pay attention enough to myself to see, is this a pattern? Like, what is this? What is this, what is this feeling connected to? So, for instance, for me, thinking about patterns, right? So, um, I'm a child who grew up with a father who was um, 
for lack of a better term, who was very demanding, right? And so as a young person, I thought that if I was more, if I pleased him, that he would be less demanding, that he would be less angry, sometimes less mad. And so I believe that that was what would happen to make him, to make him back to responsibility for his rage, regardless of whether it was connected to me or not. Through my adult life, I find myself attracting men who put me where I found myself in the same dynamic, a man who had anger or rage or like different kind of feelings and me trying to prove that I'm good by pleasing them and then believing somewhere subconsciously, not consciously, right? Believing consciously that like, if I just please them and be good enough of a boyfriend to them or a good enough of a man to them, they won't be angry as opposed to understanding that anger has nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. right? So that's a pattern, right? And so I had to like begin to like look at that pattern and some of that pattern came from like me feeling like me, me addressing and looking at the feeling. What is it feel like now that I'm in this second or third relationship with this pattern has persisted? What is that feeling? Okay, that feeling feels like I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not, I need to be more good. I'm like, so where did that come from? So I start, I acknowledge the feeling, the feeling of inadequacy, take the feeling of inadequacy and begin to unravel it, and then see like this is connected to a pattern. I felt this feeling before. What did I feel this feeling with this partner I was with, with this in this relationship, in this workplace? And then as I and as, as I look at those patterns, I begin to say, okay. How do I interrupt this cycle? Mm-hmm. How do I stop this pattern? What, what needs to happen? And like for me, it was changing the story, changing the narrative, um, processing those emotions. I think that, and that which goes to, to point number three, processing the emotions in my body, right? So sometimes we think we're processing emotions when we're really processing them in our heads. Just, we have the intellectual concept of I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know this, yes. but we haven't set with like, how does it feel here in my core? How does it feel in my back and in my shoulders? Because that's a lot of places where we hold um, a lot of hurt. And, so, and for mm. black people particularly, we're known to somaticize, which is like basically hold pain in our bodies more than the people. And so for me, so the third thing I would say is like, be present with what your body is trying to tell you about where you are holding pain and hurt mm. and be attentive to that particular piece, whether it's finding massage for that piece, whether it's yoga as a strategy to navigate that. For me, it was just breathing. Spending time to breathe and they allowed me to cry and grieve and process and begin to move through that in a different kind of way. Yeah, I think as you're talking about this, um, the words that keep coming to me is just like, this is all about moving toward whatever it is that you're feeling, even if it's painful mm-hmm. and not so much moving away from it. Right. Because as we move towards it, it can whisper at us whatever it's trying to teach us. So like in my earlier example about feeling anxious, like... In a lot of cases, I feel like what a lot of people tried to do, including me in the beginning, was, okay, I'm feeling anxious about this performance, so let me try to not feel anxious, Mm -hmm. right? But you're saying, no, Mm -hmm. feel anxious, notice if that's a pattern where you felt anxious before, Mm -hmm. and then that can create an awareness around why you're anxious in this situation, Mm -hmm. and then feel where the anxiety is in my own body Mm -hmm. and try to work through the relief of that through something like breath work or yoga Mm -hmm. or massage or something like that to actually release it. Exactly. Because the cultural kind of like um, mandate in the United States particularly is like to ignore the feeling. Mm. Especially when it's bad. Especially when it's bad, Mm -hmm. to medicate it. And sometimes not when it's bad, sometimes the feeling that we have, if we have a feeling that's good, we want to make, we want to maximize the feeling, mm. right? So we find other substances or different things that help maximize it, right? So, so we maximize the, the good feelings. We want to minimize the quote unquote undesirable feelings, but we're not learning from them. They're all trying to teach us and show us something. The anxiety, the sadness, the frustration is trying to say, hey, something is amiss here. Something needs to be attended to here. Either the 
joy in all pieces there too are telling you like this is something is being enriched here something is being brought to life here you know and so it's about paying attention to the feelings and also like i always make the distinction when i talk to like folks around emotional health and just like feelings one-on-one as i call it is that you know you can embrace your feelings but um, at the same time, be mindful of how they impact your behaviors. Mm. So people always say, like, you know, control your emotions. Don't ever try to control your emotions. If you don't take anything else from this call, this this conversation, don't you cannot control your emotions. Your emotions just are. You can control your behaviors. Mm. So I can feel angry all day, but I need to control my behavior that may me, may 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 make me want to flip the TV over. That's not a that's not okay. The feeling is okay. Own the feeling. Be mindful of the behavior and how that's impacting other people and potentially creating harm for other folks and yourself, right? That's super important. Yeah, I mean, I love uh, all of that that you just said about we have the choice around what we do with the emotion. The emotions are not the issue, even when they're the ones that, quote unquote, are undesirable, like Mm -hmm. anger or sadness or whatever. It's what we do with that to other people. What do you think for people uh, that are... I mean, I know from from my perspective, from my friends, I think a lot of people are afraid to go into this, you know? And and so what do you think is the biggest thing that's holding black people back from really diving into their healing full on? You know, I've... So I used to do a lot of um like batters intervention men's education classes with mostly black men. And something that I would constantly hear when brothers would talk about... um mental health, emotional health, because they would be, they were like, I'm afraid, I've been holding back this dam of water for so long, I'm a surpri- I'm afraid that if I let the dam release, I'm going to f- drown. Mm-hmm. Like, that's literally what I would hear. Some version of that, time after time, there's a deep fear that we know we are feeling sensitive people, and they're like a part of our survival and coping strategies in the United States have been to just, you know, all that water is backed up in the dam. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's backed up back there, and so we're afraid of what will happen when I unopen that, right? And then for a lot of us, our trauma, our trauma responses and our trauma is so deeply wedded to how we have been, who we, how we identify. Like I identify with this pain so much that I don't know what I would do if something about this pain would be transformed. Mm. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's really like if you if 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 my understanding of my identity is deeply wedded to a specific kind of experience and if and, th- and that if i begin to like engage that experience heal some of that aspect of that experience who the fuck am who, i who do i become who can you I give now? like a clear example of that let's give people like a just a oh my goodness a very black and white example i mean like i think this is really important no because i so I, one of the one of the prime examples i think about is for is for me like this example i gave earlier right so i built my whole identity around being um essentially the broken little boy who was who was not good enough that was who i was right and so i did not know who i was if i was good uh, by myself like without if i was not in relationship to trying to prove my worth to someone i had no idea who the who who the fuck is that like yeah. you know what i mean like and so the idea of interrogating that wound or interrogating my rage and anger at my father about those things because I had been hold, holding on to that for so long. So mad at my father for all the things he did. That was a part of my identity. Everybody like, oh, you know, everybody knew YOLO had all this anger at his dad. So who am I now when I don't have that welled up in my body and my spirit? Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, and it, and it, and it can be very hard when anger and pain are what drives you. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It's what sustains so many of us. So like, now you want me to take away or diminish that anger and pain that drives me yeah. or get a different relationship to that anger and pain? Because this is what it really is. Because like, you know, whenever we're healing, 
wounds are really well healing our wounds is about it's really about getting a different relationship to wound the wound never goes away right it's about the extent to which i will allow this wound to um have power over me mm. my ability to connect with and see that wound as opposed to that wound are seeing as opposed to seeing through that wound. yeah 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 there's as you're saying this i'm thinking of um another example of a woman that that i know very well who dealt with like years ago a lot of domestic abuse mm-hmm. right and so her coping mechanism to dealing with all this domestic abuse is like i don't need a man mm-hmm. i don't need a man i don't need a man i'm independent i don't need a man but really the i don't need a man is coming from i'm afraid of men because of this abuse mm-hmm. right so i think once that became healed and i know she's working on that right now of not being afraid of men, then who is she now that she's not this independent woman who doesn't need a man, right? Right. She's yeah. been this woman who claims she don't need no man. She's all by herself, all by herself. But now that she heals whatever wound that is, it's like, okay, so wait, maybe if you do want a man now, who are you, right? And there's a distinction, right? This this being said there too, like, you know, don't think particularly about women, like saying that I don't need a man, right? In a culture where women have been taught that their entire like life worth of self-value is associated with men, right? So saying that I don't, saying I need a man versus I want a man are two different things, Mm -hmm. right? And also like feeling, and like sometimes the exclamation that women are saying, in my experience is reading this as as a man, of course, is that sometimes it's like, um, that man isn't necessary for my existence and value. And that is what women, black women, have heard every single day of their life. So sometimes we hear those exclamations like, uh, but like actually like that is an affirmation for a lot of folks that like actually I am an independent solo human being, which is counter to every message I have ever received right. about like, and particularly if I've been in a victim of domestic violence or abuse, where so much of the dynamics are uh, are dependent upon the belief that you need you me need as the them. abuser to 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 survive. I will take care of you, or if, if I don't take care of you, nobody will want you. Nobody. Right. There's so many of those pieces. So we hear women say those things, and sometimes we react and like when that's really just it's us. It's an affirmation. It's like reminding almost ourselves like I don't need that. Mm. But like and like but I choose I can choose to want a partner. I can choose to want a man. Right. And um and wanting is um desiring essentially is uh in my opinion just like a more whole place you can come from. Yeah, it's very different than need. It's very different, <laughs> right? it's very right. different than need. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Oh my gosh. Amen to this. So Yolo, I have one more question okay. for you. Um if you could look back at your younger self. Now, this is like little YOLO. Mm-hmm. Before he was running Beam, before <laughs> any of all this stuff really came to fact, but like kind of right when you were getting started. Um, if you could sit right in front of his face and give him some advice, what would it be? Wow. I would tell him that he has always been loved even even though the way he has been loved, he has not always been able to see, he has always been loved. Mm. I think that would be what I would tell him. And I, I would let him know that he's enough. Mm. That he's always been adequate, always enough. Um, that, you know, you may need to learn different skills or tools, but the core of you, your spirit, your heart, your soul is always enough. All the other stuff is this extraneous things that you can gather and create in, in, in time. But the core of you is always enough. You are loved and you are enough. Oof. It's beautiful. Yolo, is there anything else that you want to share with anybody that I didn't get to ask you or that you're feeling called to share before we wrap up this 
wonderful interview. Just to pay attention to what your life is trying to teach you. Mm. Pay attention to what your heart, your spirit, your soul, your body, all those messages. The universe is just like a series of messages every single day. And it's trying to call us to 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 expand, to illuminate, to craft and conjure more ways to be dynamic and beautiful in the world. I believe that. And so just pay attention and, and listen and don't run away from the messages, even when they're hard, even when they're not fun. They're not what we want, but when those messages are coming to us and we heed them, we open up the space for so much more beauty and magic in our lives. Amazing. Yolo, thank you so much for your time today, and I'm sure everybody got so much from this. For people who want to find out more about Beam or get in touch with you or anything like that, how can they find you? How can they find out more about Beam? Yeah, so if you want to follow me, you can find me um, on Twitter at Yolo Akili, it's Y-O-L-O-A-K-I-L-I. To learn more about Beam and our training and education programs, you can go to B-E-A-M.community, and yeah, you can look for us there. Awesome. Thank you so much, YOLO. And to everybody listening, I hope you guys really enjoyed this. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go to motivationforblackpeople.com. We have so many interviews, so many inspiring videos, and you can join our email list to make sure that you get in your inbox directly motivation directly for our people, by our people to lift us higher than ever. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Justin Michael Williams, and I'll talk to you on the next podcast. Mm